Well, good morning and Merry Christmas to everyone. Great. Very good. Good to have you here to celebrate. I don't know if you're still struggling with the uh, what do I get so-and-so problem. Do you get that every year? Crystal and I get that every single year. What are we going to get our kids? And so when they were younger, it was easier, but now they're older, they have their kids. Well, at least two of them do. And so uh, we are always asked, what do we get adult children for Christmas? And you know, it's the same discussion every year. Every single year. So what are we going to get the boys? Nothing. No, we got to get them something. Uh, a blanket? Why would you come up with that idea? Who wants a blanket? Uh, clothes? Uh, no, they don't like clothes. Um, a gift card? Yeah, I like to wear. You know what works? Cash. They love cash. That's where it happens every year. It gets all the way down to cash. As creative as we are, we can only think of the greatest gift for our kids is cash. And uh, so this year, we said, no, we're not doing cash. So two of our three boys live far away from here. And it's expensive to travel to go see them. So this year, our presence is their present. Right? Yeah, like that? So all, all the parents, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, bring it, yeah, yeah. Our presence will be their present. Now you think that's cheesy, don't you? They certainly do. <laughs> but what do we celebrate every Christmas? We celebrate Emmanuel. God with us. That the gift of God is his presence with us. Now, if you look through the Old Testament scriptures, in fact, if you look through the Old and New Testament scriptures, you'll discover that the presence of God is, is talked about and described and encouraged over and over and over and over and over again. The problem is, I don't think we pick that up when we're reading the scriptures. It's kind of like this. You've had this experience. So, I've been here now about 13 years, and on average, I come to this building from my house twice. Like, I go from my house to the building, my building to the house, and I take the same way almost every time. I use the Stouffville Bypass, Bethesda Road, and go, go, go off to my house. And I figure, in 13 years, five days a week, twice a day, about, I've taken that route somewhere around 6,750 times. That's a lot of times. And two weeks ago, I'm driving along Bethesda Road. I look to my right, and I see a house, and I say to myself, I've never seen that house before. 6,750 times past that house, and I've never seen it before. Now, I'm sure I've seen it. I 
I just didn't register that I saw it. It didn't make an impact on me. There was nothing in the storage banks to tell me that I had, for some reason, seen this. And I think that's what happens when we read Scripture. And the Scriptures talk about the presence of God. That God's presence is our present at Christmas. That the presence of God is the greatest gift that God gives to mankind. Now, if you look at, I, I just want to show you this from Scripture. Now, I can't take you to all the passages that are in Scripture that talk about the presence of God because there's just way too many. But I want to take you to some that are interesting and that will make the point I just made, that the presence of God is our present. Genesis 3. Then the man and his wife, that's Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, the fact that they hear a sound and they know what it is tells me that they have experienced this before. How did they know it was God walking in the, the garden in the cool of the day? Well, because they had experienced it before. They had heard him before. Now, so here's a question, a good theological question. How does a non-physical spiritual God walk in a physical garden and make a sound so that he can be with physical people? If you don't know, Rod Russell can explain that to you. No, no, he's, he's got it. I, I believe he's got it. So you don't know, Rod. Just take a Bible and look up Angel of the Lord and start going through it. And that will help you understand what's happening in this. But Rod can explain it better than that. But my point is that man, God created mankind, men and women, because he wanted to have relationship. He wanted them in his presence. That was how we were created. That's how we function the best is when we're in the presence of God. And I totally get this because the best times that I have, you know, yeah, yeah. What do you want for Christmas? I just want my kids around and my grandkids have fun. Like, I know you don't understand that when you're younger, but you'll get there, believe me. If you get married, not everybody gets married, not everybody has kids, but if you get married, if you have kids, you will eventually get to this old space in life where you say, all I want is the presence of my family around me. Now, when you're Mother or mother-in-law says that. Don't believe that. Like, you got to get her something, but that's really what she wants most. So um, this summer, one of the rare times that all of us, my three boys, their family, their kids, we were all together. My, my, the best time I had was when we were sitting around the table at night. And uh, my sons and their spouses were, were all sitting around talking. We were laughing about 
the past, about things that happen in our family, the oddities of being in our family, the things that Dallas did when he was this age, and Denver did with this age, and Brett did at that age, and, and we would laugh, and, and just sitting there listening to them, laughing with one another, and being with, that, 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 was, um, that was so cool, because I think that that's the way God feels about us in his presence. He made us to experience his presence, to laugh with him, to plan with him, to cry with him, to be comforted with him, to think with him, to dream with him, to meditate with him. That's how we were originally designed, to be friends with God. That is your makeup. That's your, how you were born, originally made, mankind was originally made, and that you carry that mark on you. And I do too. That we're made to be in the presence of God. So the problem is we wrecked it and uh, mankind sinned against God. The mankind chose to say, yeah, no, I'm going to go my own way and I'm not going to obey you. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. And I'm going to live the way I want to live and I'm going to make the rules and I'm going to follow yours. And so the Lord God banished mankind from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. And so when we sin, we were banished from the presence of God. Sin always separates. It always separates. It separates relationship. When you, if somebody at work gossips about you and you find out about it, can you hardly wait to get in work tomorrow so you can spend time with that person? Hardly. You don't even want to talk to them. If, if a parent promises to show up to your event, your, your athletic uh, event or your music event or something that you're doing and the parent doesn't show, do you, do you ignore that and that doesn't affect your relationship with them? Is there a coldness after that? Or if a spouse is unfaithful to their spouse, does everything go on the same as it always did? Sin always separates relationship. And so we were separated from the, banished from the garden. Who's in the garden? God's in the garden. So we're banished, separated from his presence by our own actions. However, the heart of God is for us to be in his presence. And so this begins the story of redemption. And throughout the scriptures, you will come across verses like these that constantly talk about God wanting us in his presence or entering into our presence because he wants to be there. Let me, sh- let, let me sh- show me the first one that comes up, Genesis. Genesis 5, 24. So not... We don't really know how long after the fall. It could have been hundreds of years. It could have been a few years. I don't know. No, it couldn't have been a few years because Enoch had to be born and grow up. But Enoch walked faithfully with God. That term, to walk with God, just picture two people walking together along a path. They're in one another's presence. God, Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Enoch never died physically because he walked in the presence of God. That's what he is noted for. Next one. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre. 
while, so stop, stop, stop. The Lord what? Appeared. That means a physical person, Abraham, could see and we'll find out speak to God. You got to go back to that angel of the Lord thing to figure this one out. So he appears, the great trees of memory, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. And Abraham looked up and he saw three men, or what appeared to him as three men standing by. And when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them, and he bowed low to the ground. And when the who? That's a name for God, always in Scripture. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left he what? He left the presence of Abraham, and Abraham returned home. This is God being in the presence, or pulling Abraham into his presence, being in the presence of man. Yes, we are separated by our sin, but God seeks to restore to us the gift of his presence. Next one. So Jacob called the place... Penile, saying, it is because I saw who? See you in the back. I saw who? Yeah. Face to face. How do you see somebody face to face? You must be in their presence. And yet, my life was spared. Next one. Now Moses was herding the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Here, okay, who's this? Here the what? Angel of the Lord. Okay, okay. I, I, I think I'll just, I'll just, I'll say it for you since, you know, your mind is obviously thinking, yeah, what am I getting so-and-so? Yeah, I, 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 I triggered that in your mind. Now that's all you're thinking about. Come back, come back. Uh, be present, be present. Okay, okay, I'm pushing it, I'm pushing it. So uh, he came to, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now look at this verse. Where is the angel of the Lord? In the flame. In the flame of fire from within the bush. And Moses saw that the bush was not burned up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord, okay, what's that name again? That's the name of God. So when God saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Oh, who's in the bush? Yeah, but who else is in the bush? The angel of the Lord. Uh, there is a, um, at the time of Jesus, the Jewish theologians believed a thing called the two powers because of verses like this in the scripture. There's a whole bunch of them. Where the angel of the Lord and God are in the same place at the same time, but two different people. And they're both called God. There's that hint to how God walked in the garden, the angel of the Lord. Because the angel of the Lord always appears, like he did to Abraham, as a man, as a physical being. And yet we know by this verse, he's God. And God says, don't come any closer. Take your sandals off for the place you're standing is holy ground. 
they call Moses into their presence, into the presence of God. They're drawing man into the presence of God to experience who he is. Next. The Lord replied, my, so this is <clears throat> background. This is Moses and, and Israel has messed up for like the hundredth time. And he goes, look, if you don't go with us, because they're in the desert and they're heading to the promised land, we're never going to make it. And God says, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. I will be with you, man and God in the same place. Next one. There in the presence of the Lord, your God, you and your family, speaking to the Israelite tribes, you and your family shall rejoice. You'll eat. Isn't that cool? You'll eat in the presence of God. When you go home and have Christmas dinner and you pray over it, leave an empty chair to remind yourself that God loves to be with people when they're eating. It's all in scripture. You're going to eat and you're going to rejoice and you're going to laugh in my presence in everything you have put your hand to because the Lord your God has blessed you. And he says because there in the presence, there are you and me together. Next one. Now when Josh was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, so he doesn't immediately recognize who this is. Are you for us or are you against us? Neither. I am commander of the army of the Lord. I have now come. And then he says to Joshua, Joshua falls face down in the ground in reverence. Well, that's an odd way to respond to another human being. But it's not an odd way to respond to the presence of God. What message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army, which is the first time we hear this reference for the angel of the Lord, says, take off your sandals for the place you are standing is holy. And where have we heard that before? When Moses met with the presence of God and God and the angel of the Lord were in the fire and they say to Moses, take off your sandals, you're in holy ground. God, not just with Moses, but now with Joshua and the people. A couple more so you get the point. You don't drive by this and in 10 years go, huh, I didn't know that I could be in the presence of God. That's better. God had Manoah and the angel, um, God heard Manoah and the angel of God came again. So if you know the story, this is Samson's parents. While she was out in the field, but her husband Manoah was not with her, the woman hurried to tell her husband, he's here, the man who appeared to me the other day. And Manoah got up and followed. And when he came, the man said, are you the man who talked with my wife? I am, he said. Yeah, thank you. As 
as the flame blazed, so, so they have this talk, and they, they make an, a, 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 a sacrifice to him, and as the flame blazed up from the altar toward heaven, now they don't call him a man, the angel of the Lord ascends up in the flame, and seeing this, the Manoah and his wife fell on their faces in the ground, and when the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah and his wife, Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord, and this is what he says, we are doomed to die because we have seen God. Wow. And then when Jesus arrives on earth, what do they name? What is one of the names that Jesus has given? We sang it this morning. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Perhaps the greatest present that God gives us is his presence. To experience his presence. Jesus takes on flesh. <laughs> Think about the sacrifice of God confining himself to this physical body, being born of a, of a virgin into a world where he will have to put up with the realities. Like, like, like life was just a lot harder then. They didn't have the, the benefits we had. And like, like he had to live with the, the pains and the, uh, the, the bothers and the lacks of being a peasant in uh, Israel. And so that he could take our place on a cross and there suffer for our sins so that we, if we were willing to to put our faith in Jesus and his death and resurrection, we could have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. So he comes to earth to be present with us, and those that put their faith in him, look at what the scriptures say in Romans chapter 8, verse 9-11. You want to talk about presence. I mean, God takes it to a whole new level with those in the church, those who are true believers. You, however, he's talking to believers, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. The spirit, God is so big on this presence that he takes up presence in us. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. If you belong to Jesus, you have the spirit of Jesus in you. Look at verse 14. For those who are led by the spirit of God, those who are following life, listening to and obeying the leading of the spirit of God, are children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you will fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive, what do you mean receive? The spirit in you brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we call Abba Father. We are. Not only are we given his presence, we're brought into the family. Remember I told you about sitting around with my kids and loving, with, having time with my kids? It's so special to me because they're my boys and I poured so much into them and I love them and we just as a family, Chris and I love to have That's who we are to God. That's who you are to God. In fact, you want to talk about presence, 
Oh yeah, we are talking about presence. Well, then let me show you another verse in uh, Revelation chapter 21. This is the final picture for mankind and God. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth, uh, this one, had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. These are all metaphors that are happening. I'll hope to one day preach Revelation. I think... It might be just before I die, because it's going to be so controversial, I just, I, I don't want to have to deal with it, so I want to preach this, and then die, and then you guys can fix whatever I did wrong. And then, um, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, uh-huh, like the sons and daughters of God. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe away every tear in their eyes. There'll be no more death, mourning, crying, pain, for the old order of things has passed away. The greatest gift God gives is his presence. And of course, he has to renovate he has to reconcile. He has to redeem us, which requires the cross. And so through the cross, he opens a door so we can be in his presence. Now, if I end it here, I suspect that you would go out and you'd go, yeah, but I don't feel like I'm in God's presence. I mean, that's really great that you showed us all these verses, Ed, and it's great that God was with, you know, other people were in God's presence, but I gotta be honest with you, I don't really feel like I'm ever really in God's presence. I don't have this sense that God is with me or even in me. Yeah, the Bible may say that's true of me because I truly have put my faith in Christ, but I don't. I don't really, I can't tell. Psalm 16. I hope you got that. Yeah, there we go. This verse rocked my world when I read it. When I really read it. When I read it, you know, and didn't just drive by, but I read it and took notice of it. You, so it's David writing to God, writing about God. You make known to me the path of life. When I need to understand what life is about, I look to you. And what is life about, God says? Love. Love is the path of life. Here, hey, you want to live life well? Love God and love your neighbor. It's the path of life. Then he says, you will fill me with joy. Where? In your is your is joy a tangible emotion that you can feel? Well, <laughs> tangible. It's the thing we want most in life. We want we want to get over the pain and the hurdles and the difficulties and the conflicts and get back to that state, or at least try to get somewhere close to that state of feeling a sense of joy about life. And David says, you know, I've walked with you a long time, and I have found. That when I have joy, it's when I'm in your presence. Then he says, with eternal pleasure. What are eternal pleasures? 
You know what they are? I think that's a general world for, for, for word that David goes, look, when I'm in your presence, God, and I, I can sense you, I know you're there, and I'm like we're really connected, I, I, I can't even describe what I'm experiencing. It's, there's this security about life, this sense that everything is going to be okay. There's this deep peace that comes over me, this deep sense of purpose I have. I just know all is right with the world, and I see things about you I've never seen before, and I see depths of your love, and I, I see the, the goodness of your provision, and I see new ways you've been faithful, and it's just like these eternal pleasures just keep springing up at your right hand. What does that phrase mean, at your right hand? It means in your presence. It's just another way to say, when I'm in God's presence, the experience of life is so abundant that I can hardly explain it. Now, again, yeah, but Ed, I don't feel that way. So, Crystal and I have been, oh, how many years have we been married, sweetie? Love muffin. <laughs> There's a joke behind that. I got time, I'll tell you the joke. It's not a joke, it's just kind of one of those funny stories. Well, at least I thought it was funny. So we, we, went, I, we went to school, Chris and I got married, went down to school, Dallas. This has nothing to do with the sermon, so just kind of put a peg in it. And uh, we went to uh, Dallas, Texas to go to seminary. And when we were in Dallas, Texas in the south, and so husbands all have a pet name for their wife. Sweetie pie, lovey wonderful, like, yeah, I don't know, they just had all these names. And I'm Canadian, so you, know, you just don't use those names, right? Like, what? you don't do that. And uh, so Crystal complained to me one time, how come you don't have a pet name for me? Like, everybody else has a pet name, I, you know. So, so um, I, got, I need to cure this. And so uh, we were in... Hypermart. Now, only in Texas is there a store called Hypermart. Picture a Costco times 10. They, all the people that are, are uh, serving are in roller skate, or no, they were in roller blades so they could get around fast. That's how big the place is. It's got everything. Every, and then everything, like every kind of TV, the TV section, every TV you can think of, the section is massive. The banana section. Have you ever been in a place that has a banana section? It's massive. And the place is packed all the time. And so, so I'm, oh, I don't know, here to the wall away from Crystal. And I thought, this is the place. <laughs> hey, love muffin! She, she bowed her head and just ran the other direction. And has never asked me, to give her a pet name since. <laughs> right, love muffin? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pay for that. <laughs> so, uh, where was I? Somewhere in a sermon about, oh, I don't feel the presence of God. So Crystal and I, uh, I'm back in the sermon, but for those of you that were all wandering, I'm back in the sermon. 
So we've been married for quite a few years, and we live together every day, every week, every um, month, every year of the time we've been married, we've been living together. But there are times when we don't feel close to each other. We just don't. And usually it's because of good things. Yeah, there's those conflicts that we have, but most often it's not conflict. It's, you know, uh, I'm too busy at work. She's too busy at work. We got chores that we do around the house, jobs that we have to do, exercise that we want to do. There's uh, sp go spending time with other people. There's all these things. They're all good things, but what happens is we don't have time with one another. And so the distance grows. And we don't feel close. So what we do is we stop and take time to pray together, to um, talk with each other, and then to do something together. And when we're, when we're communicating with one another and doing something together, all of a sudden we start to feel close again. I think that's the exact same thing going on in our lives with God. For most of us, we don't feel God's very close because we're busy with good things. But to grow a relationship and nurture a relationship with God requires time. It requires silence. It requires solitude. It requires prayer. It requires meditation and thinking about the Word of God. And, and putting those all together, there's those, this period in our life where we spend time communicating with God. This period in our day, I should say, where we just, me and God. Just me and God. They are the times that I sense the presence of God the most. This and another time, and I'll tell you that in a second. When I take time to just withdraw and communicate with God, to take time and be with him. They are the, now, it doesn't happen every time I go into my prayer room, but it happens a lot there because I'm nurturing the relationship. Just like when Crystal and I feel distant, when we take the time to communicate with each other and pray with each other, we start to draw close again, feel close. The other time I feel close with Crystal is when we do something together. We go for a walk or pickleball or bike ride or whatever it is, and we start doing stuff with each other, then we feel close. And the time I feel, now, the time I feel closest with God is on Saturday, the second Saturday of every month, we go out into the harvest. That's the door-to-door -door ministry we have. We go out into the harvest, and then when we come back, you can cut the joy with a knife. I'm telling you, talk to one of the 20 people that come with us. That is the most amped up time that I experience and the sense of the presence of God like no other time. So when I'm withdrawing with God and then when I'm doing something that I was made for with God, then I feel his presence. And so I'm going to guess that for you, if you're not feeling the presence of God, it's because you're not spending time with him communicating and or, you're not doing that thing God has gifted you and designed you to do. And when you do those two things, you'll go, wow, I feel the presence of God. I, like, I, I got a joy. I, I, 
I can't explain. Does it keep, do we have to keep nurturing it? Yes, because as soon as I stop those things, the distance starts to form again. And so my encouragement to you is the greatest present God gives you is his presence, but you have to nurture it. So this year, how are you going to nurture the presence of God? Forget all the other stuff that you do. There's no greater gift. There's no greater opportunity than to walk in the presence of God, to meet with God, to hear his voice in your soul, to to sense his presence, to be filled with the joy that he gives, to have a sense of your purpose, to work through your issues and problems with him, to watch him answer prayer. God's presence is our presence. So what will you do this year to nurture that in your life? It has to become your number one priority. So that's my Christmas message for you. At least one of them. I got another one coming this afternoon if you happen to be here. Nurturing the presence of God. Don't you hate it when you give a present and the people just put it up on the shelf and don't pay attention to it? Imagine how God feels when he gives us his presence but we don't nurture it. We just kind of put it on a shelf. And for those of you that do, what are you going to do to go deeper? Because many of you do walk with God. How are you going deeper? Jesus, uh, thank you for the gift of your presence. I mean, you actually became human to be with us. And now, you, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, dwell within those that put their faith in you. You're in us right now. And so my prayer is that this nurturing of our walk with you would become the most important part of our lives. I mean, what could be more important than walking in the presence of God? All things will pass. Everything we own, every relationship that we have, every achievement that we've done, all pass. All good things, but all pass. But you, God, are forever. And our relationship with you forever. Help us to nurture and to sense the joy and those eternal pleasures at your right hand as we seek and run after you. May you stir within us, renew us to walk with and experience you in our lives. In Jesus' name.